0: Hey, this is Allie from Books and More. Thank you so much for favoriting my station. I I really appreciate that. Also, your dog sounds adorable. Anyway, thanks again. Bye. Hey, Patrick. Okay, so
1: tell me, has the lake frozen over yet? And have you gone polar bearing? Because I used to go polar bearing on Lake Ontario with a group of friends. When I was in college, I went to college in western New York. And it was so much fun it was so exhilarating. And every single time I thought I was going to die, they I think it was yeah, I can't remember exactly what town but it was near um, where you're at. And they actually would have ambulances lined up on the beach because when you get in that water, your body goes into shock, shock. I remember the first time I did it, my friends had to pull me back out of the water. I thought I was going to die. But it's a great experience. So if you've never done it, you got to try it.
0: Hey, Ronnie, it's Patrick. Yeah, this algorithm, it's driving me nuts, too. And I'm not on here to be on a board, but I also, like like any other human, want to know how to gauge myself, how to gauge my station. And if I'm sitting at number 10, and I hadn't posted at all that morning, and then all of a sudden I go and I listen to somebody's station, or I end up posting, and I drop down to 30, it's like, you're going to reward me by dropping me down when I listen to somebody's station? Or as soon as I post, you're going to drop me down. That makes no sense. And then I'll look at other people who haven't posted in 20 hours and they don't move at all. They don't move at all. So I've seen that list and it drives me nuts. But I don't, you know, I care about it, but I don't care about it. And uh, it's got to really drive you nuts being a computer programmer. (laughs) So, all right. Well, thank you so much for your observation. Take care. Talk to you. Isn't
1: the memory a a strange thing? you think that you remember exact events, exactly where it took place, how it took place, when it took place. Your brain tricks you into believing. You remember all these complete, vivid details. And you know, as the memories age, of course, the the memories, um, they warp and they alter. I mean, yeah, you still remember the general gist and usually what you remember is your feelings at the time, the emotions that were there but you know the the imprint of the faces and the details of the surroundings fade in time and it's interesting and concerning yet completely normal at the same time. Good example here this polar bearing conversation with Patrick. Now I went polar bearing, you know, several years during college. And we went, I guess, to different places because I remember going into Lake Ontario and I remember jumping off of an ice edge. But once I go back and, you know, Patrick gave me some information and then I go back and I watch some videos, I'm like, Oh, yes, I remember in Lake Ontario, you have to wade in and then yes, it was probably a different lake where we jumped in, yet the memory merges these things together. It's so fascinating. And you know, it makes you wonder how many um, other past events that your brain has merged together and it's become, you know, it's an event, but it's become this merged event. You know, it's a bit like that game that you play when you're kids where you whisper something in the ear next to you, you the person's ear next to you, and it goes around the circle, and you whisper, 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 and then when it gets to the end, they say what was said, and it is not what was said. Yet if you go backwards through the circle, and the person before you says what they actually said, you can kind of you know, unravel the mystery and find out where it morphed and where it changed. I know my sister and I have totally different uh, recollections of events from when we were children. You know, I'll, I'll say, oh, no, this happened and it happened in this way. And she'll be like, oh, no, 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 it happened in this way. And in reality, it's probably somewhere in the middle you feel like you feel like you're in control of your brain and and you, you 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 know you've got control of you know exactly what you've said and exactly what you've done but it is really amazing that we don't and isn't it funny that as soon as you're presented with a picture or a video that was either you know really an actual historic picture or a video of no that's how this happens or no this is what this place actually looks like isn't it funny how the brain is just like snap the memory is just right there and it's like oh yeah that's it so it's in there but why can't you recall it until you're presented with the picture and isn't it at this point where a lot of people get in trouble because they're stubborn they won't admit that they're wrong or their egos have just taken over and i've 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 met plenty of people who you're like no it didn't happen that way it happened this way or no it doesn't look like this it looks like this and you're like oh no 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 but you know i i think i find it more fascinating that my brain is playing tricks with me than um you know trying to prove that you're right that's that's just silly But that really, that is a huge problem in our society where, and it all comes back to the brain. It's the brain playing tricks with you. So if we were educated enough as a society to realize that, hey, we're not really in control here and the brain's not always quite giving us the right information, think of how many silly problems would just go away. Okay, I'm going to go one step further here. Do you think it's possible that this is why, as a society, as a human race, race, we don't seem to learn from past mistakes? We don't seem to learn from past history. We tend to repeat history over and over and over
2: Working like a woman. Hey, this is Michael Conway, the Illumanarch of Illumanark Podcast Radio. And I was just calling in uh, on your toxic relationships bit because uh <laughs> ooh, Well I don't know if I've had toxic relationships but two of the three times I've been stabbed by someone who was a woman that was in my life. Does that qualify? I hope it qualifies. I know toxic And what I found is that I bring out The core of what somebody is Sadly if I choose that person The core of them is probably psychotic So um, I've decided not to pick The person in my life The person in my life picked me And just remember that today Has been brought to you by Waffles The Sexy Pancake
1: Okay Michael I think you need to uh, better vet the women in your life because I I, I think you've got a problem. Good morning, everyone. We are on the subject today of toxic bosses. And thank you to Gigi so much for that call in. The boss or employer-employee relationship um, is definitely... A relationship that is hard to describe now I have had the pleasure of being in both positions I've been the employee I've been the employer I, I, I own my own company now I have several employees that I have to manage every day and it's very hard if you've never been in the boss position, it's very hard to see that point of view. And if you, I guess, I mean, I would think that everyone's been in an employee position at some point. I think it'd be pretty hard to be a boss without ever having been an employee, I guess maybe unless you inherited the company. But there's definitely this fine line that you have to walk between, um, you know, being motivational, you know, as the boss, being motivational, um, being supportive, being nice, but still enforcing, you know, it's kind of like being a parent in a way. And I don't mean that in a uh, derogatory term whatsoever. But, you know, you want to be nice to everyone, you want to be friendly, you can't really be friends with the employees. But you also I mean, you can't say mean things or uh you know, lower their self esteem or that type of thing. And you, I mean, you genuinely want to be nice and, and keep a, a peaceful work environment. And when I worked in Silicon Valley as a um, software engineer, and I, there was one particular company I worked for where I was a consultant, it was a consulting firm, and I would go out to clients' sites and look at their systems and um, you know, figure out basically what was wrong with their system and go in and fix it. And you know, they build me out a certain dollar per hour rate and, and that type of thing, and I would travel travel all over the country doing that. But when I was not traveling, and this was you know, this is 20 years ago, this was in the '90s, it's when I was in my late twenties. And it was very unusual for a woman to be in that position. I, in fact, I can't, I can't recall any other women who were actually um, the actual consultants in the consulting firm. Now that I think about it, I mean there were women, there were secretaries and that type of thing. But so I was kind of in a, a unique position to begin with. And when I was not. Out in the field I would be in-house and that was very rare it was you know maybe one or two weeks out of the year but I would be in-house and I had a desk there and basically whoever was in-house did the computer support for the salesman and that type of thing which is you know that is not what we did for a living we were software engineers we were not uh, techie computer support but you know we could do it so That's how they they worked it instead of hiring another person in to do that. So at that time, I would have to deal with my immediate boss, who was not a software person, but, you know, not a computer science person, but actually a uh, salesman. And I can recall this one time, actually, you know, it was one time that I was based in the office. It was a span of two to three weeks, and they would call me into their offices, you know, and I mean, these were men in their 40s and 50s, and I was in my 20s. They would call me into their office and say, oh, my computer's broken. Can you look at it? So, you know, trying to be all professional, I'd come around to their desk, and they'd have pornography up on the screen, a very vivid pornography, and... It was just to, you know, and then they'd laugh and it was simply to make me squirm and that is, uh, you know, I mean, that's an example of many things that you should not do in society. It's an example of the 90s for sure, but that's a pretty good example of a bad boss. Now, of course, I did not squirm and it ruined all their fun. So it didn't take them long to figure out that uh, they couldn't mess with me. And, uh, you know, I learned to not react to, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not being, uh, not picking on men here, but it, you know, it was generally men who pulled this kind of stuff. And I learned to be very careful, being one of the few women in the field and surrounded by and traveling with men a lot. I learned to be very careful and very guarded very early on in my professional career. Um, And even going through college as I, I have a degree in computer science and a degree in math and back in those days And I certainly hope it has changed now. But back in those days, that was a pretty male dominated field. And I was one of the very few women in my classes at the time. And even all the professors were men, it was very male dominated. And I learned very quickly how to deflect, ignore, react in the right way with um, unwanted advances or, you know, unwanted um, comments or, you know, anything that comes with that territory. So I have always conducted myself very professionally um, you know, in the in the workplace and even in my my private life so because of those experiences that has carried over to now my role as a as a, a boss you no know, being a boss myself and i i do not disrespect my employees whatsoever and i I just, I, I mean, I, I, the, stare, the stories need to be shared without a doubt, but they just make me cringe. We're in a professional work setting where we're all here trying to get a job done. And if there's some, you know, there's people who aren't there trying to get their job done. And if they're not there to work and they're not there to be professional, just tactfully fire them and move on. You know, a lot of the problem is these people that are tolerated in a workplace that just should not be there. And then some of them are promoted through, you know, whether it's a good old boys club, or it's, you know, whoever the niece or the nephew of the owner, whatever it is, they get promoted through the ranks and then they just behave very badly. And you know in my experience that has been the troublemakers and we everyone everyone needs to speak up and you know I guess that's has more to do with sexual harassment the whole uh, Me Too campaign but that is speaking up and we need to speak up for all kinds of misbehavior and we as a society need to um, you know, take control of this, take responsibility. We can't say, oh, well, they're my boss, I can't do anything about it. No, you need to speak up. We we can clear out toxicity in the workplace if we find our voice and if we're strong enough to say, hey, this is not right. And I have to say, and again, this is not a dig at women out there, but, I have to say that in the workplace, when I'm hearing the little, the, you know, the women using these cutesy, flirty voices, trying to ha ha ha, you know, with their boss and stuff, don't do it. Believe me, don't do it. It leads to nowhere good. Um, you know, it's bad for your personal relationships. It's bad for your workplace relationships. Coworkers don't like it. Just knock it off there are better ways to work your way to the top, be professional, be yourself. You will get there on your own merits. Hey, it's Ronnie from Working Like a Woman. And I have thought about talked about how we can better our society. It's a fairly common topic here in our house. And number one, we need universal health care for everyone. Now I'm in California and you know, we don't, we don't even have it in this country, but we need it here. We need it across the world. Number two, we need a universal basic income for everyone so that everyone has the means to have a basic living. And then if you want to work and you want to earn more than that, that's fine. But everyone needs this base. And I think if we could implement those two things, our society would do huge things. Okay, so I I went off on a bit of a tangent there about toxic holidays, but uh, it did need to be said. Now back to the subject of toxic relationships... I think most of us have at some point in our life, especially throughout maybe our teenage years or early 20s, have experienced toxic relationships. And if you're someone out there who has not, you are very lucky. Or maybe you're not because you didn't get to learn all the ins and outs and uh, what to watch out for. But for anyone who has gone through a toxic relationship and has suffered mental abuse or physical abuse. Yeah, it's, it's something that a lot of times you can't, it's very hard to bring to light and to discuss with anyone, especially if you're younger. And it's hard to go ask for help. And sometimes if you're with someone who is very narcissistic, they have convinced you that you really are no good without them. And if you get out of this relationship, no one's going to want you. No one's going to love you. So you stay because you are convinced that this is the only place you're going to find love and this is the best it's going to get for you. And isn't that all we all really want is just to be loved and accepted and cared for and to care for other people. And once we do finally somehow see the light and are able to break out of the relationship, or that person finally, um, you know, took everything from you that they can and they leave. And you do fall into this very, very deep depression, this deep funk that is really hard to work yourself out of. You basically have to start at the bottom and slowly convince yourself that you are worthy, that other people find value in you, that other people um, do and can care for you and just going out and finding help whatever form that is and this goes back to the support system conversation you need support for this as well and as you're coming out of one of these toxic relationships a lot of times your support system is gone Because that person that you were with made sure that you did not have anyone around to support you or to let you know that this relationship was not good. So for anyone out there who has been through a toxic relationship, I congratulate you for making it to the other side. And anyone out there who is in a toxic relationship right now, get out. There are people out there who love you, care for you, and are willing to help you. But you have to find the strength to get out. Hey guys, well, it has been a long day and I just haven't had time to record anything all day. So I wanted to thank the late night talk. So for those for that wonderful call in and then I echoed some segments from her. If you don't get rid of toxic thoughts, yes, it will be very hard to keep your emotions in balance. It will be very hard to stay mentally or physically balanced. But what does, uh, what is toxic? Toxic isn't always negativity, right? I mean, some, positive or what some people claim would be positive is actually toxic. Now, let me give you an example. I have read quite a few articles this holiday season about how depressed people become, how angry people become during this season. And some people write it off to, well, you know, there's not that much sunlight and it's cold and we're kind of going into this hibernation mode. But a lot of other people, and I find it true, are saying, no, it's actually the pressure to go out and buy presents the pressure to buy the best presents, the pressure to have the best house, the best decorated tree, um, make the best cookies for the holiday party, it becomes this huge competition. And when you're going into even just to buy your groceries and you hear this crazy, not this nice relaxing music, but this crazy going as fast as you can, rush, 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 holiday music playing, it's very unnerving. So it's taken what should be this very positive thing, right? I mean, it, everyone assumes that the holiday season is, um, you know, this time to relax and be with the family and show your loved ones that you care for them into this insane, mad, dash, spend all your money, go broke, go into debt, competitive nature that just drives everyone into this depression. And because of that, I have heard more people this year than I have ever heard say, we're, we're just not doing it this year. Now those are people who are religious and people who are not religious and they're just simply choosing to not participate in this uh, pretty much this made up commercialized holiday so I'd love to see more people revolt against this type of stuff. You know, and, and you know, while we're on the subject of holidays, Valentine's Day is the same thing. I love Z. I tell him I love him every day. Do I get him a Valentine's Day card? Yeah, I do. Um, but do we need to do that? We don't need to do that. Do we need to spend a ton of money on that day? Of course we don't. It's commercialism and we all buy into it. So if it's causing a depression and causing a lot of people to become depressed, why do we still do it? I know a lot of listeners out there are not in the United States, and a lot of you have healthcare universally for everyone. And I, you know, I'm quite sure none of you take it for granted. But we don't have. I'm sure you're well aware we don't have it here. And to get to the point where we can worry about our emotional needs. And don't get me wrong, that is extremely important. But to get to the point where we are concerned about our emotional and our, you know, our emotional well being, or our mental well being, we don't even have access to basic physical health care and you know, a lot of health care comes with um, You know mental health care as well, we don't have access to that either It is a serious problem in this country and serious problem elsewhere in the in the world, of course, but What is it? Why can we not just have basic access to health care for everyone so we can move beyond this? fundamental human need and move on to the next step. We aren't going to get anywhere until we have basic access to basic things. I mean, how can anyone imagine that people in this country are going to act emotionally mentally stable when they don't have access to any help physically mentally nothing it is insane and it is not the least bit surprising that we have so many issues okay you want to go beyond health care oh let's go to education the education system in this country is terrible and now they're taking away tax benefits (laughs) to go to graduate school, you know, no one can afford to go to college anymore. Why is at least the first two years, why is it not free? Come on, where are our priorities here? We need access to basic health care. We need access to education. And everyone needs to have some money to live. If you are not fortunate enough to have a job, or you're not mentally stable enough to have a job, you still are human and you still need to be able to live like a human being. We have a huge homeless problem in this country. You know, hearing these stories, I keep saying, that's it, we're moving to Europe. We're moving to Canada, but, you know, I don't want to run away from the problem, but what can we do? What can we do here as just, uh, as just a citizen? What can we do? Something needs to be done. Hey Patrick, thanks for that jog of the memory. Isn't it funny how, oh boy, it's been 25 years since I've been in college, isn't it funny how... You remember some things but not all things i actually had to look up polar bearing in lake ontario and the one year one of the years we did go in lake ontario and i don't remember where the other ones were i cannot remember at all but the one year was lake ontario and it was not frozen and you had to go out on the beach in your bare feet and in whatever you were going in the lake in. so you're stripped of your jacket and whatnot you're walking across the frozen beach in your bare feet and you actually have to wade into the frozen water. I remember getting to my knees and just dead stop. I couldn't go any further, and then a group of friends came along and like dragged me in and dragged me under. Oh, that's like a, that was a serious mental block. But now I remember.
3: Thank you. i like to take my last customer, Mr. James
1: awesome ah the sounds of holiday grocery shopping and the last one was uh the sound at starbucks but i don't think it quite caught it i am out today running errands went to the bank went to the post office went to Safeway, the grocery store, and then stopped at Starbucks to get Z his green tea latte. And, you know, I think I've come to the conclusion that holiday shoppers, or, you know, people out, those of us crazy enough to be out this weekend, you know, it's kind of like, kind of like drunk people. There's happy drunks. And there's really angry drunks. And everyone's like really happy or really angry. It really doesn't seem to be a lot of in-between. Keep playing.
3: I do a good-